0: Side Sports Dead and Goal podcast. This is issue 25. Issue 25 weeks. Yeah. Issue 25. Wow. That, that's amazing. So it's our <laughs> quarter year anniversary. Happy anniversary, Jeff.
1: Thank you, James. It's. Uh, I don't know how, quite how I feel about this. <laughs> off season edition. That's how I feel, how okay. I feel
0: about it. The off season edition, the, the team holiday edition, the Mad Monday edition. <laughs> <laughs> um, yeah, so even though uh, there's not much rugby league being played, um, at club level anywhere in the world We've still got loads to talk about um, This week we're going to talk about Cooper Cronk uh, We're going to talk about the New South Wales um, And Titans jobs And there's breaking news just as we're uh, Broadcasting this um, And we're going to have a yarn about the Toronto Wolfpack And how they're influencing uh, New teams all, all over the world And we'll also have a Yarn about Fatty Voughton And uh, the future of the footy show um, and, and we'll also discuss England And our new edition that's on, on sale There's lots to talk about Including, and we should bring this up Early in the show Our um, Twitter responses this week they're, they're really good I just wanted to You liked this one, didn't you? Yeah, yeah It was just, a good one. A, just an off-the-cuff one too And um, <laughs> people really enjoy their old kangaroo stories And that was the that was the question this week To all you guys What's your favourite memory of the old kangaroo tours do you have one of those jeff
1: um not not quite i, I do have something that yeah, I'll, I'll share later yep. but um i i i would hope that um that the world cup helps kind of put yeah the bring, brings the kangaroos back into focus i mean we um with a bit of the work we've been doing lately around uh, Around the World Cup, uh, we've uh, had done a lot of uh, thinking and writing about yeah. uh, about the kangaroos, and it's yeah, it's inspired a lot of kind of yeah, interesting kind of material, shall I say? And yeah, that, um, yeah, it's uh, something that we'll kind of obviously talk about later.
0: Yeah, yeah, we have had have a lot to do with the kang- with the kangaroos and and rep because uh, um, as people might know, Inside Sport was tasked with putting together the tournament guide official tournament go to of the world cup Tasked. that's a good word <laughs> yeah. we, we, we were honored with the um, with, with the job of doing it weren't we yeah. distinguished yeah. uh yeah
1: honored yeah. yeah. privileged yeah, we yeah. were something something like that
0: <laughs> yeah. so that's uh
1: love the world cup 2017 yeah, yeah. yeah. And no fantastic sporting
0: event and great people <laughs> over there at the offices and yeah. yes indeed we really love their footy um just to kick off i'll, I'll just sc- scatter these throughout the show uh, Jeff Gabriel um, at, at the Newtown Jets um, says uh, his favourite memories were being allowed by his parents to stay up late to watch the tests. That was that was a. Uh, that seems to be a very. It's a weird permission reason, isn't yeah, it? Yeah,
1: highly recurring theme. That one. I mean, yeah. in our story, um, done by the, uh, the the great Matt Cleary, uh, he one of the uh, great kind of former kangaroos he spoke to for the story was of course as though it was glenn lazarus oh, yeah. and glenn lazarus's dominant memory of the kangaroos is basically that you know kind of getting up uh, and you know kind of watching on the two tv channels he had in quindian <laughs> yes. well as he was growing up you know, you know to to watch you know kind of these these men who he was familiar with through the comp but watching them on the other side of the world you know, I yeah. mean, that, that was a bit of a – something of a bit of a head spin, I guess, back in the time when the world felt, uh, felt a little bit larger yeah, uh, than it does these days. So, yeah, I think that's, that, that'll be quite a common theme that, uh, that you see.
0: Yeah, excellent. And just two more before we push on. Paul Michael Craig. Your um, uh, first names. Paul yeah. <laughs> One of the earliest memories is my mum uh, letting me, as an eight-year-old, stay up to watch the Ruse versus Wigan on the 86 tour. Uh, it was a classic match. Uh, and Jersey RL Jersey Spotter, uh, coining the term "Emus" for midweek games, <laughs> and in '94 when they wore that, you know that uh, that terrific uh, green and gold striped Aussie jersey. Green and gold striped. Yeah, it's it's really synonymous with. Right. No, it, no, I'm not familiar with that. It, it was so it was famous for being not famous. It was <laughs> when, when people wore the stripes below the the green uh, gold V, you you knew that that was the Emus. Although that was the, the team that played the club sides mm. on Kangaroo Tours, it was great. Yeah, it was it was, it was amazing. So we'll uh, we'll come back to that list uh, as we go through. But kick off, mate. Um, okay, here's another question: How do the Roosters keep Cooper Cronk? Uh, in their under their salary sombrero, because uh, everyone's thinking, everyone's got their calculators out and well, trying to work they, it out.
1: They do it every season, don't they? So, <laughs> yeah, yeah. <laughs> so isn't this isn't this a recurring phenomenon that everyone's surprised at? So, yeah. so, this so how, how surprising could it be? So my main thought about this is uh, something that was kind of better expressed at a more uh, at a loftier level by. Um, is it the, the para chief executive now, Bernie Gurr Oh yeah, yeah. Um, On the Peter Sterling show, which was to say, and you know, I've yeah, you know, I've been hammering you know, You've you've obviously plainly heard me hammering on this topic before, James. But I think salary information in in the NRL should be public. It really yeah. should. I mean, I know that it's not kind <clears throat> of you know kind of you know the most pleasant of topics, and it's not something that you know uh, 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 that you know that kind of. is is so easily kind of shared kind of within our with our football culture but um but you know and and I know and I also think there's a a bit of a a working class kind of element to this where you you don't want to kind of be slinging kind of around what you're making versus the other guy but um
0: because that will become your identity won't it it won't be the 300 nRL games it won't be you know uh, the captain of this team. It'll be oh, that's Mister Six Hundred and Seventy Thousand Dollars. Very much
1: so, and when you're particularly when you become a guy who's perceived to be overpaid. Yep. Um, yeah. There's uh, in in the NBA. There was, uh, back in the '80s. There was famously uh, uh, one of these big centers who got overpaid, and unfortunately, his name kind of rhymed with contract. So he began. He became known as, as contract. John John. Con, <laughs> his name was John Koncak. So he became known as John Contract. And and that will happen. You know. I mean, that's it what will, happens yeah. when you. Know, uh, it, you know, it, it, all of us who do follow kind of sports in North America know that's commonplace. All these guys' salaries are known. Uh, listen, I believe that you know if you want to stamp out kind of um, salary cap cheating, the most, the smallest, most effective change you could make is this. Like you yep. let people know how much everybody is making and you'll begin to see kind of um, it won't eradicate cheating and it won't eradicate kind of like you know like kind of like you know, kind of stretching of third party payments or you know kind of brown bags or, or, or what have you but it will be very effective, you know. the The amount of kind of public scrutiny will be very effective in kind of limiting what can be done in terms of uh, in terms of in terms of the cheating. But, yeah, no. so, yeah, that's that. That would be. That doesn't answer the question of how they kind of fit him under. <laughs> but you know, yeah. the, I guess when to, to take a step back from it, it, it's hard to kind of understand what the the salary cap structure or the, the payroll structure of the chooks. Is in the first place. So how can you basically say, well, how can they fit him in? You don't even know what everybody else is no, really being paid. Knows so do you know, no. it's you're, you're basically making an educated guess at yeah at um at what everybody else is making, and then kind of trying to fit kind of yeah. cronk, you know in, in in under or around that.
0: I think that what what people do is they get wages like his and just say JWH and those really big players, and so so, so they get those wages, and then they try and in their, in their minds think ab- about a, a rational scale of what somebody else's wages would be. Yeah, and it's probably so. completely off. Yeah. It's probably, just say, Cronk 8-900. That doesn't push everyone else's wage up. In, it, if anything, that can push somebody else's wage down, can't it? So it, it creates more $150,000 players then, doesn't it, if you're trying to fit everybody in then. Two, yeah. two things,
1: uh, kind of points I'd make to this. One is something that... Um uh, Wayne Bennett said a long time ago uh, he made the point that a lot of the young guys coming into the league who are, who are regarded as the next top potential young talents and like so say someone like a Latrell Mitchell a couple of years ago maybe yeah. not so much now but a couple of years ago he made the point that you, you have to overpay these young guys just to hold on to them because okay. if you yeah. don't they'll, you know, somebody will be willing to pay that, that excess amount for them yeah. and Bennett made the point that these guys aren't ready to play yet. These nineteen, eighteen, nineteen year old big forwards, you know, who 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 will be like kind of the fafitas and the Tamalolos of three years' time and you've you've got to keep them because mm. you know you have to you want them in three to four years' time. But they're just not ready to play yet. Yet they're they're sitting on fairly substantial salaries and that's eating up a lot of the cap. And because of that um, yeah, between those guys, kind of at the start of their careers, and then the veteran stars who who earn the very very big salaries, that squeezes the guys in the middle. Yeah. So that's yeah, As you made the point, point, hundred fifty thousand dollar players. So that's kind of the that, that's kind of the first thing I'd love to if if, if um, salary information were made public, I think people would be quite surprised at how much these kind of young players who just come into the league how how much they're making as opposed to kind of what you I call the middle class. Yep. Of, of the league, I think that would that would be a surprise uh, to a lot of us. The second point I would make is that um, the, the thing that is kind of interesting about this is we've kind of come to realize how significant the non-wage factors are are in putting teams together. Which is to say, you know, we, and we've talked about this. Kind of league observers have been talked about this forever. How often, and it's a shame, Anthony Branch. Shout out to Anthony Brandt, is not here today because I can set him off on an absolute kind of rant with this <laughs> with this comment. How often do you know, the Broncos, you know, kind of land a player yep. on on a relatively budget deal, you know, like kind of maybe, you know, kind of ten, fifteen, twenty percent less than say his, his value in the rest of the market, because they want to go, you know, to Brisbane. They want to live in Brisbane. They, you know, they know they'll be set up with the opportunities that, that Broncos players get after their after their football career, and how much is that an advantage compared to say a place like Canberra, which has yeah. tremendous difficulty in kind of luring kind of off contract players, you know, Canberra being cold, expensive, you know a place where not, you know, naturally a lot of players come from, so it's not there's no homecoming factor there you know, you'd be able to see kind of the big disparity between teams that really have to pay a premium to get players to come there and other places where they don't and I guess another club you can throw into that mix is the Roosters who seem to do very well, you know, or in terms of getting players to take less and um, I suspect that's you know, partially kind of, you know, to go back to your original question, how did they fit him in that's part of the explanation how. Because yeah. the Chooks can kind of get a discount that other clubs can.
0: I just love this um, this uh, perception that the Roosters are, are on a different... Set of rules to everybody. It's like yeah, the office of the NRL is right next door to where the Roosters' training (laughs) and playing ground is. What do people think they do? Are they meeting up at cafes and saying, "Come on, you know, let us. You you can give us another half million under the cap. We can can slip this player in." It's um, Paul Crawley talks a lot about it on NRL Three Hundred and Sixty and in his um, newspaper columns for the. Telegraph, he, he talks about perception being very, very important. Mm. And the public's perception is that the Roosters are operating on another set, set of rules. And I don't know, it's probably a little, little bit of everything, isn't it? Creative accounting and giving, imagine that, imagine luring the best players in the game to Bondi. It's the easiest thing in the world, isn't well, that's, it? Lots
1: that, of, that's just it. I mean, you know, this isn't kind of unusual in the context, if you look at the rest of sport, you know, kind of, you know, a club that's like situated in a, in a nice part of a city or in a in a in a city that kind of has a nice lifestyle and is an attractive, as long as the club is well run, you know, and has kind of good financial support, of course they're going to attract you know really really good players. I can't think of a sport where where, you know, where that isn't the case. <laughs>
0: like, like baseball, hey, yeah. like who are you going to choose the New York Yankees exactly. or or Cleveland or or some other um, you know less populated and so called less exciting. Destination exactly, eh? but you yeah. see
1: the thing is, yeah. Just to kind of loop back to the point, yeah, yeah. If if salary information was public, then we could see we could see kind of how you know we could begin to see kind of six hundred thousand dollar fringe origin players who are basically taking like you know five hundred or four hundred or whatever it is. We'd actually know what what the discount is and what yeah, the, yeah. kind of you know how much more it would take you know for you know the Raiders or you know, or Newcastle to kind of assemble you know, a, a team comparable to, you know, what kind of yeah, roosters, or, uh, rooster, roosters or Brisbane can. But, yeah, um, yeah, yeah. you know, and it would kind of speak to, it, it would basically basically be a critique of, of the salary cap and the way the salary cap is run. Like, you know, I, uh, I've i kind of made the point, if anybody would care to listen, I don't think it's a lot of people. <laughs> but, uh, yeah, it, it, it's a blunt instrument, and uh, that's the one of the reasons why, because there are non-financial factors that go into... That go into kind of the effects that the salary cap you know, take, and you know this this even this is even before we started getting around to you know, to third party deals.
0: So what about so just before we move on, what about a point system where every club has a hundred points, uh, and every player is given a value like. Cooper's got. Cooper's yeah. worth seven points. NBL, our, our rookie is worth one point. Yeah.
1: yeah. And the NBL tried this, uh, and and that yeah, way you can pay. yeah, you can pay um, people
0: whatever you want, and no one's going to know their wage, but they'll know their points like a computer game.
1: Who assigns the value though? Like, <laughs> ah, I, mean, yes. I, I always found the NBL there tried this, and they, they still, I think they still do have a version of it. But um, yeah, I mean, it it does require somebody to sit down and say, yeah, this is what you know the value of a, of a player is, and then once you've done that i think the the, the realist what what happens then in, in the context of team building is what you're trying to do then is find kind of that one point guy or that 10 point guy who you know is going to give you 50 points value or 60 points value or whatever it is the next season yeah yeah and then that comes to condition the, the way you want to want to build it because it
0: works perfectly in those fantasy league things doesn't it
1: yeah but again like i said it's it it still means somebody has to sit down somewhere and say, this guy's worth that many <laughs> points and that guy's worth, you know, that many points. And I don't know kind of, you know, I don't know kind of what, what is the basis for that system? It's just to what, keep yeah, people's yeah. Um,
0: wages secret. Yeah. So, so Yeah see, I, yeah, I don't know. It's just a, yeah, yeah.
1: I would think that, um, I would think the more rational way to go about it is is, is to use market value, yeah,
0: yeah. which is yeah.
1: which you know which is fine by me. But, but I think yeah. you know, market should be transparent. I mean, again, Bernie grew made a really good point. You know, you know, publicly listed companies they, you know the salaries of you know the top kind of corporate officers are all available. They have yeah, to true. Be. Yeah. I think it's one of those things that, you know, you gain a lot of privileges from from being kind of you know a, an NRL footballer. I think one of the things you may have to give back is the fact that your you know, your salary is publicly known. I, I, I know why like kind of people might yeah. kind of feel reticent about splashing it out there, and you know it um, you know it, it may not kind of you know, kind of be maybe it might not be a good thing kind of in terms of the league's public public relations or the public relations for the players more specifically. But I think you know if if they were to you know I've got I guess I've got a lot of issues with the salary cap and the yeah, way the do. salary cap yeah. in the NRL works. And I think one way that I think they could make a sli- – one tweak that could make it slightly better is if they had if they had publicly non-salaries.
0: Oh, well done. Great comments there, mate. Um,
1: all right, so moving on.
0: Uh, and for co- those
1: of you who – yeah, I will publicly disclose my salary if you <laughs> really, really
0: want me to. <laughs> yeah, everyone wants you to. Yeah, yeah, that's right. <laughs> um, coaching jobs. Um, we've just found out dead set just then. That uh, the Titans are about to... Garth Brooks. Yeah, um, closing on Garth. Um, <laughs> Panthers, um, yeah, I know it's that Garth Brooks for anybody. Garth Brooks. Garth Brennan. We've just called him Garth Brooks. Garth Brennan, ISP premiership winner. Um, what do you call the game, game against the PNG? Hunters... A blowout. World champion. <laughs> <laughs> yes, that's right. Completely dominated the PNG team. Penrith did, so he's just won that, and um, yeah, by all, all reports, it sounds as if the Titans have wrapped him up. So that's secure. That's another one out of the way. So the next one is the New South Wales coaching position, and um, I don't know. Let, let's just play board members here. Who do you go for, um, Freddie or um, or Michael Maguire? I keep calling him Mark Maguire. Um, I, I reckon. I reckon Origin is a little bit different to normal rugby league. Definitely is. Players players feed off vibe and they feed off legends and blah, blah, blah. I reckon my my first choice, if you could pick anyone, would be Andrew Johns Mm. because he's an absolute god of information. Even if he doesn't want to do it. (laughs) Yeah, Yeah, let's make him do it. Just (laughs) dragoon him. Um, They'll go with Freddie, probably. Joey,
1: no betting unless you coach the uh, the New South Wales (laughs) Blues. (laughs) Every betting
0: agency in the. Alrighty, <laughs> but um, yeah, I mean, he's my pick, Brad mm. Fittler. He's not ideal, but. But geez,
1: well, you watch after he does this bang-up job with Lebanon during the World Cup. Yeah, that's you know, it. He's, he's going to he's going to become a hot coaching commodity. Th- that's, that's it, is isn't he? He'll oh. become the most desired rugby league coach in the Middle East.
0: <laughs> <laughs> Maybe the Blues are holding off to see how he goes in the World Cup. <laughs> yeah, I think really, they're really waiting on that. <laughs> or there's, all there's Michael Maguire who is a club coach. He's a club coach. Isn't he? a club coach. Yeah. Listen,
1: I agree with you entirely um, yeah. in the sense that. Origin really is different. It's like coaching a national side. Yeah. Uh, all, all
0: you need is a legend to tell good players. So that this le- is important. That's pretty much
1: it. It's not so much the legend factor. It's more the the factor of you do not have your players in the room. Like you know, it's not like good point, You're yeah. you're coaching a club where you wake up in the morning. You kind of go to the office that day, and if you need to tell you know your your kind of your winger that he's not playing very well, you you have the ability to do that that day. As an origin coach, you don't get to do that. No. Like you know, you have these guys. It's long stretches of not having a team, and then you have them for a kind of a very intense period—a week and a half. Yeah, and then, and then and yeah. then you don't have them again. And there's also a, a very, very large every kind of coaching job in football now is a figurehead role in a, in a lot of ways. But in in origin, I think it, to a degree, it's a very—it's become quite a large one because. For a lot of the year, you are the representative of the side. You don't have a side, effectively. Yeah, you know, you are. I mean, yeah. you know, until it's picked again next year, you yeah. are you are the side. Like so
0: Daly was the team, wasn't he? Basically, like exactly. Over so, those summer months. So in yeah. many
1: respects, that's where the legend factor, I think, comes in. You, yeah, you have to. It becomes easier when you've already been associated deeply. With kind of you know, with the with the the sim the symbolism of the side. So yeah, yeah. Um, I'm usually very skeptical of hiring kind of uh, of ex players and certainly ex greats. But uh, yeah. this is one of those jobs that I think you, you really kind of need that that cachet. So yeah. And um, is it really
0: going to matter? Is it really is it really going to matter with um, Cameron Smith still playing as he is? Thurston supposedly tied from Origin, whether he gets pu- pulled back in, Kubrick Cronk might end up playing another year. Well, you know,
1: Jeez. New South Wales have got to start the rebuild from somewhere. Yeah, oh, definitely. And, yeah, you yeah. know, yeah. In, in many respects, maybe Daly's already kicked that off. Maybe somebody comes in and actually builds kind of on what Daly has started because he's put, you know, Laurie's put, you know, tr- tremendous effort into this job and has, you know, yeah. put some uh, put some of the you know, kind of the foundation in and you can fully expect that if New South Wales does start winning a series... You know, either next year or in the years to come, uh, uh, some of it will happen because of some of the players he's introduced yep. uh, into
0: Origin. So God, God, it's a cruel beast. Origin, isn't it? If Thurston misses that mm. goal towards the end of game two, we're not talking about this. Yeah. If, if Well scores after that and blah blah blah, yeah, Daly's resigned for another four years. He's a legend. I mean, when you, when you yeah. get down
1: to it, you think about um, yeah, kind of how critical was was Queensland hiring Mal? Yeah, would it have happened with someone other than Mal. Maybe, maybe not, you know. And then to even kind of just kind of unwind it even further back, you know, Wayne Bennett, who, you know, probably wasn't as good an origin coach as he was a club coach, but was, you know, was instrumental in introducing kind of, you know, the emerging Maroons concept. And so how important has that been to to Queensland? So, you know, I mean – yeah, this is kind of uh, related to that point that we made before about club coaches. So maybe Bennett's not, say, a successful origin coach in the sense of winning series, but that on, on that alone, in seeing kind of what that's contributed to creating a spirit around Queensland. Yeah, yeah, yeah. For their players to come in and kind of learn the culture. That was a massive contribution. Definitely. So, you know, maybe there is scope for a club coach you know, to come in and, and make a contribution. But I've always found it interesting how, you know... Um, with the possibility aside of Phil Gould, who was mm. a very successful origin coach, who out
0: coached Wayne Bennett, didn't he? <laughs> yeah, exactly, yeah.
1: Um, yeah. Club coaches like you know, you know, Wayne Bellamy, uh, Wayne Bellamy, Wayne, uh, Craig Bellamy is the best we've had. It was the best we've got, kind of in this in this generation. And you know, he wasn't able to turn around New South Wales. Yeah. So I I'm skeptical about kind of uh, yeah, like. Um, the, 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 the suitability of a, of a club, of a successful club coach for, for the Origin.
0: Well, there you go here. Yeah. No, you want to be the, the coach that follows the next one being appointed because uh, with, with all those um, Origin players, Origin legends for Queensland re- retiring and stuff. Um, just read out a few more of these great uh, kangaroo memories. Um, Toddy says... Uh, oh, sorry, wait, wait. Before we, before we move
1: on, I've got to yeah. ask... Um, yep. Uh, to Garth Brennan, the hiring of Garth Brennan. Yeah, yeah. Interesting that we've now got two kind of head coaches in the NRL – who uh, emerged out of the, the Panthers organization? Yep. and neither of them are the camp, the, the, Pan, the coach of the Panthers. Yeah, yeah. so we're just thinking. So Everybody you, know, else? Will, you know, you as being a died-in-the-wool kind of Penrith Penrith man, yeah. how would you feel if you know you've, you were to look up in a few years and see that you know Trent Barrett would be guiding the Eagles and you know yeah. and Brennan would be guiding the Titans above Penrith? Yeah, it's how not would not that very, make you feel? It's not not very good. <laughs>
0: <laughs> it's like when uh, Gus left Penrith for the Roosters and turned around and guided them, and in 2003, I think Ricky Stewart was the head coach, I think, Mm. but Gus was running their football department, Mm. so yeah, no, it's not very nice at all, but... Uh, anyway, but again, what if, what if you know,
1: even worse? What if Ivan Cleary has gotten Wests kind of back yeah. to relevance? <laughs> oh, you know, to look around and see three, co- three, yeah, three coaches are all within your organisation and they're are all that? kind of leading your leading you know rival clubs to you know <laughs> to, to do you better on the to, to better than you on the ladder. Well, yeah, <laughs> no, that,
0: that, that wouldn't be very nice. But Garth is a, like a, a terrific uh, coach. I'd, yeah, this is only a matter of time for him. Um, that, that's if it's even confirmed, anyway. So <laughs> we'll, we'll, we'll wait and see what happens. Um, yeah. So uh, Toddy, Toddy's Toddie's um, favourite kangaroo memory was uh, the eighty six kangaroo tour, which showed just how good Wally Lewis was, and still didn't get the, the plaudits from <laughs> south of the Tweed River. He's right. We we hated Wally Lewis. <laughs> New South Wales hated him. He was a genuine, like really emotional. Emotion-draining player for New South Wales. But, it, but but when he did play for the Kangaroos, everyone loved him down here. Even Sydney people. Yeah. <laughs> oh, I did anyway. Um, <laughs> Albeit Steel Sports says two words. Uh, Rex Mossop. Good answer. That's great. Chris Atkinson um, says it would have to be the midweek tour games on freezing cold nights against English club sides at the really old grounds with here. shallow like, in-goal areas. <laughs> yeah, that's right. Yeah, they were, um, My
1: obsession, shallow, s- shallow in-goal areas.
0: Soccer fields, like with one, two metre deep in-goal in areas. It was great. Uh, Sue says, the fog. <laughs> um, the, <laughs> viewers, commentators and spectators barely able to see any players on the field. That's true. And uh, Robert says, the 91 tour to Papua New Guinea. Uh, um, he says, uh, lots of excitement and fear um that's that's so true like because they used to play games on the way there and like stopovers and stuff it was it, it was play terrific games on the way
1: like you're literally getting off the bus and like
0: <laughs> busting out the football at the side of the road uh, they used to stop at port moresby play a game and, and keep going like jump on a plane again i'm sure they used to do that yeah i'm sure they did but anyway we'll keep reading those out as, as we go on um should we touch on Jared Hayne about how a club that doesn't exist yet is interested in his services? Isn't that the most Jared Hayne thing ever? Yeah, it is. Are we, are we going to find out that next, the sport that doesn't exist is going to be in touch <laughs> with Jared Hayne
1: soon?
0: There's the Toronto Wolfpack, they've got a lot to answer for with this. They, um, they've really set a precedent. And Damn the, Canadians. Yeah, yeah. And if a New York club is set up, Jared Hayne would be a good signing for them. Um, interesting to see how that plays out. I don't know anything about the New York team I'm just sort of going off the headlines that I've been seeing it just sort of seems a little bit silly really um, and Listen, have you got I'm anything to say about that or? I do actually yeah, yeah, yeah. I mean cool.
1: you know naturally you can't hold me back usually something. <laughs> uh, you know if something like Toronto can work I can't see why something like New York can't yeah, yeah. like, you know, um,
0: and what's your theory it needs to be centred around something um, something what's that word edgy uh, what's the what's the hipsters uh, niche niche, that's niche it, yeah. is the word um, yeah,
1: yeah I, I would have thought you know if you could kind of like set it up I don't know, even something like like in Brooklyn or, or Queens or just, yeah. Up the back of
0: a university campus. Something like that. Make you it know, a university like, kind, kind thing. Kind of like the way
1: the Wolfpack, uh, the Wolfpack have done it. They've yeah. it, Make it basically uh, uh, about the experience rather than just, you know, kind of.
0: Because people want to go from, from here, don't they? They want to go over and and see what it, what it is. Like, yeah. what is this
1: stuff? Yeah. Like, yeah, absolutely. So it's, yeah, yeah. It's, um, yeah. <clears throat> yeah. yeah. Places like New York are just so large. All I have to do is slice off a little bit of it, that, yeah. you know. That uh, you know that it can still, you know, you, it can still be viable. You know, that um, it's probably
0: about twenty or thirty thousand Australians in New York anyway, isn't it? So, yeah, yeah, don't know how many
1: of them are <laughs> AFL fans, but you know, um, you know, it's. Uh, it, Naturally, when you're actually, you're talking about New York, you, you know, you you attach it to kind of glamour and you know, and, yeah. gifts and, and big money and all those things. But um, and rugby
0: league per- fits perfectly into all those. <laughs> <it>? <laughs> but yeah, that's just the thing. I mean, yeah. yeah.
1: And so there's a temptation to look at it from kind of like you know, in a conceptual phase and think, oh, you know, that you know, they, they try to set themselves up as something glamorous. But um, but no, I mean, if you could kind of you know, replicate. You know the Wolfpack kind of model. I, I can't see why it couldn't work in you. Know, no. I, but then, by, by by that token, why not in Boston? Why not in Philly? Which I think has a much stronger, like, kind of league kind of base yep. than than other places, relatively in uh, in um, in uh, US uh, US rugby league. So, you know, I you know. I would think you try to start it over, kind of on the other side of the of the you know the U.S. Canada border. Yeah. Like you, you, you know, if, if Toronto can succeed, so yeah. and and
0: I like the the goals of Toronto too. Like mm. they started off, what was it three rungs down? Yep. Their their goal was to win one comp, then they move up to the next one. That's right. It's not as if they got these. These ambitions of, of taking over the universe or anything. But, no. but I think that's important to have that goal behind a new club. Mm. And a lot of new clubs don't have that, do they? They just Their their goal is to survive, like the Titans, like uh, wh- however many other Gold Coast teams have been tried. My bold yeah.
1: prediction is when they say New York, maybe they're thinking New York State and they'll put the team in Buffalo or somewhere like oh, that. Okay, so yeah. it'll be close to, the, close to Toronto. I've got no <laughs> basis in fact for that. I just think. <laughs> Yeah, I think Tor- we all- Toronto and Buffalo are basically a car ride apart. So you can probably just <laughs> set one up there, and you'll and you'll be fine. Well, not at- we're, weather's terrible there, so you know you've got to find something to do. <laughs> the football team, the Bills, are, have been terrible for so long as well. So you know, e- easily enough that you could set up a, a league side there. I'm not and, asking for anything, be, no, anything. I'm
0: just asking for the New York team to be based at Yankee, Yankee Stadium. No, what.
1: well, no, Buffalo's kind of hours away, so you know that's not going to happen. But. Oh, the
0: Bronx. But imagine, it, it, imagine it, you know, a rugby league team in the Bronx. That would be pretty tough, wouldn't
1: it? Yeah, unfortunately, the first challenge they've got in trying to you know, set up a you know, league in New York is getting to explain to people that, yeah, there's another form of rugby. It's different. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> as, as we found out again in our, uh, in our, in our kind of uh, rugby, rugby, World Cup, uh, rugby league World Cup program guide, where everyone, all the uh, US players keep on talking about how yeah, they have to be informed of this, this yeah. different form of rugby. But But the point has to be made. They all love it. Yeah, yeah, and I, I you know, that, that's the thing. Yeah, it's really true. I think who's America, the main
0: player for them? Um, oh, they've got Ryan,
1: that, that Ryan Burrows who plays for the Toronto Wolfpack, yeah. and, uh, and yeah, another guy, uh, again, uh, uh, Mark Offerdal, who plays for yep. uh, for London Broncos. Yeah, he so. loved
0: it, didn't he? as he found out what it was. Oh so. no, he's,
1: he's from Australia, so oh, know, is he? Oh, no, okay. it's uh, Nick Newland is the other ah, one. Ah,
0: right, yeah. yeah. No, that's that's good. So, so so hopefully, yeah.
1: So yes, two three years time, Jared Hayne running around the Big Apple. <laughs> Looking forward to it.
0: <laughs> Oh, I'd love to see that It'd be terrific And um, did you watch The footy show Or have you watched it much not During your existence? F- not in the last 15 years No, same <laughs> uh, I, one I thing did watch it
1: though When it first started Yeah, I, everyone I, uh, did, everyone liked, did. It,
0: it actually started On Sunday afternoon As a serious footy show mm. I watched it then It was yeah. really, really cool No, I yeah.
1: I had only just Returned to Australia From overseas Back in 95 95, yeah, yeah, yeah When it came on the air And yeah, I yeah. I, I like The initial setup. I yeah. mean, I basically Can pretty much track my time watching the show with, with Blocker once Blocker left it yep. I think I stopped watching yeah, yeah, not because right. I was only there to watch Blocker but you know that was, uh, that, was just how it happened. that was basically I think just how yeah kind of yeah, yeah. I, I measured kind of the um, yeah, kind of the uh, the time frame and the eras yeah. of, of the show but you know I I, I couldn't remember you know some, some very spe- specific things about it I can yeah. remember that Cherry Mesher on there on the panel <laughs> once as part of yeah you know, the lead up to city country and yeah. he must have said like three words in his entire time on air it was
0: it was hilarious. What a highlight, Cherry Mesher. Yeah, Cherry that's Mesher. There you go. See? I remember that's a, they, deep, that's a deep cut for you. Yeah, yeah it is. Well done. Yeah, that's uh, very yeah very niche. Um, yeah, they're not they're not getting rid of the show. They're just revamping it. Mm. So it'll become another thing. It will become another another show. But I, I feel a little bit sorry for Fatty because he is the footy show. He's mm love him or you hate him or think he's funny or not, he is the footy show. And one thing that annoyed me on Twitter this week, the footy show gets smashed to death every single... Almost every day of the year, somebody has something bad to say about it. I've never... I'm the same as you. I reckon I stopped watching it about 10 years ago. But as soon as it was announced that Fatty Vaughton had been cut from it, sure enough everyone comes out and says oh what a shame just a tragedy what are they doing blah 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 just oh god i can't stand it people bagging him and bagging him and bagging him and then there's this outpouring of emotion that he's gone it's mm. uh, Yeah, hilarious. (laughs) Yeah, you hang around
1: long enough. Yeah, you do become a bit of an institution. Yeah, yeah. uh,
0: yeah, And he's still going to be on air commentating. So, um, yeah, I I, I like all those old old school guys anyway.
1: Like uh, like I asked you, I mean, is this a function of the fact that they're going to have... You made the point yesterday that, um, to me, that uh, because Thursday Night Football is is becoming more of a developing thing. There's 23 games next year. Yeah, pretty much, Yeah. It loses its time slot. And and it's really not a Wednesday Wednesday thing, the footy show, isn't it? Not
0: not really. No, you haven't achieved anything (laughs) by Wednesday, have you? It's like, nah. You haven't achieved much by Friday, James. (laughs) (laughs) But um, I I notice uh, they have the late night show with Matty Johns after I might be stuffing this up here after Thursday or Friday. Mm. I think the professor's on after the Friday game. Those sort of shows work, but you have to be really... It's, there's almost that naughty sort of edge to it isn't it like this is a late show this is we're gonna pump it out as a really sort of not bad taste show but <laughs> this is this is a naughty up late sort of thing and the footy show is more family orin- orientated mm. i think mm. yeah <clears throat> that would be my, my guess anyway so <clears throat> he'll be all right fatty he'll, be, he'll still be commentating and and stuff um yeah, so we'll see what happens there, and we'll read out more uh, kangaroo memories. Um, so <clears throat> wireblue blue sixty-two says the sheer pleasure of seeing the green and golds at our local grounds for the midweek matches. Hashtag Wilderspool. That's great. So we've so got.
1: Plainly, we got an answer from. we got our, like, over the, there.
0: We've got international uh, reach now, mate. Yep. Fantastic. Neil Lob says uh, Johnny Raper's stories. Um, We'll have to... It's dip, a bit of a tease. Dig deep into the man in the bowler hat story. Have you heard that? No. Okay, we'll, we'll share it. Uh, we'll share it later on. Um, Mr. Italia says, uh, the super competitive GB slash club sides and those fantastic jerseys. So, uh, and Wal G uh, says, the opening game versus Wigan of 86 was a classic. That's... What, a, what that, was the that, deal that with
1: that game? I, I'm not familiar with that. No, I, I, don't I can't either. remember.
0: <laughs> um... Australia obviously won it but I think Central Park that ground has a lot of lot of memories attached to it by yeah people from all over the footy world so yeah um and we'll revisit those again there's plenty we've got such a good response everyone so thanks very much um so over the last couple of months we've been counting down to the World Cup seeing as they were it's our job to talk about it and produce stuff for the world cup people and this week we're going to talk about england um of all the teams probably of all the um, non-pacific teams and australian teams um england's the one that has the most recognizable stars in it they've they've picked seven australian-based stars for uh, in their team they've got the burgess brothers sam and tom james graham chris hyington josh hodgson Uh, Elliot Whitehead and Gareth Widdop I always think it's interesting when Great Britain or England plays over here Um, I often wonder about how much we really know about their about their setup and their stars like obviously they have stars and they have rookies and they have um, legends and veterans and stuff but we mainly know the Super League by the clubs, don't we? Like we always, we know who Wigan are and yeah, who Bradford were and St Helens and Widnes well, and all that.
1: I'd like to put out to my to the to our audience that um, I pop quiz James on the clubs of the Super League yeah. uh, this week, and damned if he. Got what was it, eleven out of twelve? Yeah, I missed one, didn't I? I missed one. Yeah. It was yeah, it was a spectacular oh. effort for a guy who I would you know, I'll, I'll lay it out there. He doesn't you know you don't follow Super League that regularly. No. But no. you were still able to I wouldn't I would not have come close. <laughs> I would not have come close. So.
0: It's not even reported on it down here, is it no, really? No, not at all. Not not unless Joey Johns goes and plays for Warrington Wolves and scores three tries in the grand final or something like that. And I think
1: as that has become less and less of a thing to do now, like you you see fewer kind of of end-of-career players go there as a broadening experience. I think mainly because I guess the money is probably... a lot better now in the NRL. You're better off kind of squeezing out that one last year as a veteran.
0: But also because the, the coaching over there and the standard must be such yeah. that if a player from over here who's burnt out, mm. if if his manager says, oh, are you interested in this player? They're, they're more than likely to go, you know what? No, we've got blokes here that, that yeah. can cover those sort of...
1: So there's no William Mason going <laughs> to Japan type factor.
0: No, that's right. They might, it's a good point. Like count them. There aren't any burnt up Aussies over there like well if there are they're getting less and less Mm. so yeah so that and anyway so they've got seven NRL players picked and uh you wanted me to talk about uh James Graham who is probably the heart and soul of the team he's not the captain but um that's um Sean O'Loughlin and he's really going to um impress Australian audiences but two other players I just wanted to touch on uh their halfback is Luke Gale he's the um Steve Prescott Man of Steel award winner for this year. Can I just cut player in right the there? Player of the year. Yeah. yeah.
1: Best one of the best award names in all of sports. It? Yeah. The Man of Steel award. Yeah, he's, it's terrific, isn't you it? Know what I mean. <laughs> now here's the question for you James. Yeah. Do you actually have to be any good to win the Man of Steel award? Or you is it you just you just have to is it is a award for I've never been able to figure this out. Is it an award for being a really good player, for yeah. being a tough player, for dedicate for you know, being a dedicated player? Yeah. I, noticed, I remember reading about Steve Prescott himself and <clears> how they how they named it for him. Which was a very admirable kind of uh, deal, but um, yeah, it's,
0: yeah. So is it like a is it an outstanding player or what? Yeah, it's the best player. Yeah, right, cool. I don't know if there's sort of discipline attached to it. So, <laughs> you know, like we've got the m and that's affected by suspensions and that sort of thing. I don't know. I haven't done that much research into
1: it. (laughs) If you get injured during the year and you miss a game, you don't get the Man of Steel award. Yeah, you get penalised. You won the
0: Man of Steel award, but it was injured for half the season. (laughs) You get penalised 20 points per week that you're injured, yeah. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, Um, That would be a real rugby league award. It would, wouldn't it? You you know, you left the field,
1: nah, (laughs) nah, can't win the Man of Steel award. Who
0: are you? Yeah, yeah. Uh, he's a fine quality halfback. Uh, he's got a good running and passing and uh, kicking game. He's not that young. He's 29. So, you know, he's, 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 he knows what it's all about. Um, and he, so he plays for Castleford, who uh, lost uh, the grand final to Leeds. So he'll be well and truly fired up. And the other one I wanted to mention. Or would was... he be disappointed? <laughs> <laughs> He'll be shattered, <laughs> shattered, Ryan Hall is the other one one another favorite player of mine. he's just a um, a massive man you know, he's scoring a, wing 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 or a center yep I looked this up he's played three hundred and five super league games and scored two hundred and twenty seven wow. tries. It was a strike rate hmm. um, and they've all been for Leeds, and he's a Leeds legend and um, he's played thirty two tests for for England and um I was watching this i 'm going to recommend rugby a m the YouTube channel, it, it, it just covers English rugby league so well. And they interviewed Gareth Ellis, who was nominating um, the best players who he's ever played with, and he nominated a lot of uh, West's Tigers and a lot of um, English players as well. And he also nominated Ryan Hall as one of the best players that he's played with. Uh, he, he said uh, he, he does all the hard yards in the backfield, but he's also one of the best finishers in the world. So he'll he's size, he's... um. He's like a he's a giant and, and if there's any uh opposition player that's gonna put up with Australia's defence and wing uh, um, centre and wing defence it's gonna be it's gonna be him. So I hope he scores a lot of tries at the World Cup.
1: And then signs with the Roosters afterwards. <laughs> yeah.
0: Under the salary cap Because yeah. <laughs> oh, well, there you go. That's just put that's just put poison into my brain just because <laughs> that's probably what's gonna happen, isn't it? <laughs> Um, so yeah, so England. Who are they grouped? they grouped with Lebanon, Australia, and France. And France, yeah. And uh, I, they, I, I, really do hope they
1: do well. Mainly, too, mainly yeah. because, um, yeah, I mean it's it's always a more interesting tournament when uh, yeah. anybody who can challenge Australia t- tends to rise up. And you know, yeah, I know how we all love you know Wayne B- Wayne Bennett being proven right. You know, he's, <laughs> you know he needs a bit of self esteem built up. So you know. That's what damn, I really need Anthony Brand here. You know, to yeah, yeah. You can basically to fire that up. But yeah, so I mean, I thought I hope he, um, yeah, it's, uh I think that's remarkable. Is you know, we reminded this again when we're doing the program. Uh, how long it's been that England's actually won anything? Yeah, in, what, what in was it you were telling cup.
0: me before? Ages. Oh, <laughs> <yeah>, very very <laughs> term. <laughs> so, yeah. Ages.
1: Well, Graham himself was talking about it, right? Yeah. haven't beaten Australia in a series in 28, 29 years, yeah. something like that. I haven't won a World Cup since 1972 or something like that. Yeah. yeah. So, yeah, I mean, it's...
0: They, did, they didn't win the Four Nations or they didn't win the Three Nations. It's... Um, yeah, they're due, aren't they? But, but those, Are dual. you convinced with this side? Yeah, definitely. I, I, if you, I'm if I'm you really saying... look into it and don't just look at it and, and scoff... Mm. It, it has some really good plays in there. They got they got good halves. Yeah, that, that might be the thing that um, Kevin that, Brown. He's yeah, a really good player. Um,
1: that that is what gives you some. That that's what gives you some uh, some optimism that yeah. you know, if if Witta can kind of get into a good vein of form, like if yeah. you look well, at the if you look at how when the Kiwis have been able to knock off the Kangaroos in recent years, it's been when someone like Sean Johnson yeah. is basically playing close to as the you know the best best player in the world or the best level of form in the world. Yeah. So if you think that you know, say a up and then like then, uh, say like Luke Gale has a, you know, can combine well with him, yeah, maybe, and then combined with like um, sorry, when you put that together with uh, there are obviously some big quality forwards and yeah. Graham and Burgess and Josh Hodgson, yep, Matt um, Hooker, I mean, that that is that is a formula that could win, yeah, I'm not saying it will, but you know, it, um, there's certainly certainly something there.
0: But when you when you look into the team and look at the background and the experience that they've got, they've got blokes like James Roby. He's played twenty six games for. Yeah, for bear England. in mind, those
1: are those are all kind of that's experience of not winning things, <laughs> like Blues experience. Yeah. <laughs> it's the same argument you use every state of origin. Is, this it? is a veteran
0: state of origin player who's experienced twenty games of having having lost. So well, what's he doing there again? <laughs> yeah. Um, yeah, they've got. Callum Watkins. I'm hearing hearing a lot of stuff about him. I'd, English GI. Yeah, maybe. Yeah, George Williams. Um, I hope jo- the
1: GI stands for Greg Inglis. And,
0: <laughs> um, and Chris Hill is another one who um, is one of the dominant forwards over there. So, oh, I'm just. I, I love watching the England rugby league team. I, I think it's it completes the whole rugby league circle. It's uh, uh, yeah. It's um, I'm going to be going down to Melbourne. For the um, tournament opener So I can't wait Can't wait for that one Um, Before we move on to The new issue Which is a really good addition That we're very proud of We'll we'll get back into some of these uh, kangaroo memories Kangaroo tour memories Um, The surfing punter says uh, He remembers Terry Lamb playing every match I think that was every match of the 1986 Kangaroo tour I think he played about 30 games or something Every single one
1: Is the surfing punter someone who Is a punter who surfs Or someone who bets on surfing?
0: Jeez um, The surfing punter And I've,
1: when he says Terry Lamb playing every match Do you yeah. think he means kind of On the kangaroo tour? Or is he just, yeah he did just yeah. Got, got this memory of Terry Lamb just playing
0: He played every emus game Plus it was a reserve <laughs> <laughs> Terry um, Lamb probably asked to do that didn't he? Oh, I to Probably every match. See they were different then They were tough weren't they Yeah uh, Terry doc, Lamb was doc lambardi uh he remembers going to bed excited early to get up to watch the tests and then how awesome it was when we when we started getting the tour games as well that's true because you, you only heard about all these games against Widnes and castleford and you, you only read read about them in the paper as well and then they started what's, I think the, was, what's the paper I mean, no, I think, no. yeah <laughs> in the paper in the football paper uh, Andrew Mardo. Um, oh, here we go. Les Boyd kicking heads and terrorising ah, yes. GV centres. <laughs> uh, he also remembers watching England snatch defeat from the jaws of victory time and time again. Yes, <laughs> yes, indeed. That was a habit of theirs. And uh, Legends of Sports says uh, stickies break. Is and that the all, one
1: that he laid on for, um, for Mal? For Mal. Yeah.
0: yeah, one of the greatest international tries ever scored. And, uh, i'll probably watch uh, which
1: Mel doesn't actually remember that
0: well <laughs> <laughs> yeah he does yeah yeah was he even there yeah <laughs> well no we asked him about yeah, it I know. In, in,
1: in this story and you know he says man i don't remember it yeah,
0: that well because he wants to offload all the kudos to ricky doesn't he It was ricky who did it it's like no you were there too mate it was a really good run yeah. it was yeah it was um a magnificent moment uh so the new issue has uh, of inside sport has cameron smith on the cover and uh there's a, a writer called Andrew Marmont out there, and uh, he's got a great book out at the moment, of uh, Ten Games that's, that sort of summarise the history of the Rugby League World Cup, and uh, and you got him to write a piece for us, Jeff. Yes, indeed. Uh, seven stories connected to the history of the World Cup, and th- that also placed in the context of of each country in the history of the game, and that's what Andrew Marmont did brilliantly in that book. He he didn't just say oh, I remember this game from '94; it was really cool. He, he describes the game, but he also describes it um, in, a, in what was happening in the world of in the world in general, world of rugby league. Um, I, I particularly remember the two thousand World Cup because when I went there, they opened the tournament at Twickenham, and that was huge, like a rugby league game, first ever time a league game had been held there. And it was, and they also played games at um, Manchester United's home ground, Old Trafford, and, yeah. Old Trafford and somewhere else. And it was um in somewhere else, <laughs> but it, yeah, like that's the sort of writer that Marmont is. He um he really describes the the world that he's taking you to, and he's done it here again for us.
1: And of course, it you know it also, you know, those of you obviously dedicated rugby league listeners, so you're probably aware of this, but it is my surely one of my favourite stories in all of rugby league, and certainly in the World Cup. Yep, which is of course the uh, time in 1970 when uh, the reigning holders of the, of the trophy. Australia put it on display at their hotel, the Midland Hotel in Bradford, and, of course, it went missing for the next 20 years, <laughs> <laughs> only to turn up in a gutter somewhere. And then, you know, as it would happen, the guy who found it turned it into the police. Nobody claimed it. <laughs> so he, it was returned to him. And then it was only after somebody read about it in the local <laughs> paper that they suggested the Rugby Football League that, yeah... You know the World Cup is kind of floating around. I love it. And so that so yeah, it basically came back, and there there you go.
0: I love it how he t- <laughs> he announced it was missing, and nobody claimed nobody claimed it, nobody wanted it in the whole world. Nobody came in and said yes. Yeah, such a, I, I it's, think we better take that. It's yeah. such
1: a wonderful trophy. I mean, yeah. Yeah. Good, good on that guy. I think what was his name, Stephen Utley, or something yeah. like that. that there's know, a real that he that he turned it in. I probably would have kept it. The story, is <laughs> <in that.
0: laughs> put some flowers in it or something. <laughs> <laughs> there's, a, there's there's stories in the um the official tournament guide, isn't it? Yes, and, it is. Uh, towards the back yep. in the um, sponsor section, and it's a really good um, history of of the actual trophy. So, yeah. Um, but yeah, Andrew uh, did a, a terrific job. Really good coverage of um of the Scotland team means it a lot more th- than what you'd think to to people and mm-hmm. I I really loved it like you, you told me to or oh, tell me you you um wanted me to proofread it and I did a lot more than that I was really engaged with uh the sort of poetry that Just to say that, you that don't that engage it, with the other stories yeah, that yeah, normally, you're reading. normally I just um go on autopilot and yeah. just yeah make it sure, looks
1: make sure all the the funny swiggles are <laughs> are aligned correctly
0: <laughs> it looks like I'm asleep and um yeah I am sometimes so um, so yeah, that, that's that's um, in our new issue um, And also, in our new issue um, You get a free World Cup uh, wall chart Oh yes, that's, that's it It's the, the greatest chart, thing ever Which is actually
1: largely correct
0: Yeah <laughs> <laughs> It's spot on correct It's really good So you can put it up on your wall And follow oh. the results of the, of the World Cup Just like I used to as a 12 as a year old And I'll probably do it with this chart I reckon <laughs> Oh my god <laughs> You watch sticker book will come out the next month <laughs> yeah. for wins and losses. That's sort of the kids love that sort of stuff. Um, You're not a kid, James. Yeah, <laughs> yeah sometimes I am.
1: Um, so, in fact, there, it is also a treasure map. If you, if you <laughs> kind of like, if the results turn out a certain way and the lines actually kind of, at, it will lead you to some kind of buried treasure somewhere. Write that down. And That's that, a good that, idea. the treasure will be the actual, the real rugby league World Cup
0: trophy. <laughs> Which has which actually still been missing since 1970. And it's in a gutter somewhere. <laughs> in Bradford. In Bradford, yeah. <laughs> um, just before we go, we'll just uh, finish off these Kangaroo Tour memories. Um, quarter Chicken and Chips. Oh, that Great name. name. Great that name. Brilliant. Um, okay. <laughs> so he, his memories are of the Dragonara Hotel in Leeds. So this, so this hotel is where the Australian Rugby League team used to stay. <laughs> right? In 1986. And what the, what the players used to do is they used to pull their money and buy three or four bomb cars so that they could drive around uh, the north of, north of England. And what they used to do was, at the end, before they were about to go home, they'd have a demolition derby with them and they'd <laughs> smash them all up. <laughs> Okay, okay, I take it back. That
1: that, uh, trophy is not the most rugby league story I've ever heard. That is the most rugby league story I've ever heard. Could you imagine just like saying uh, he was held out for the final match because in the team demolition derby in the bomb cars last night, he (laughs) hurt his hand or something
0: like that? There's pictures. Uh, I'll see if I can post them online somewhere, but they're on the internet already, of a smashed windscreen and Wally Lewis is in the driving seat. And Lazarus is there He wore a helmet So he was safe when, when he was When he was doing it Oh it's Oh It's terrific Great history um, See now
1: Why don't they you know, Firstly they've got to have Kangaroo tours in the first place yeah. Why don't they do that On the kangaroo tours Can
0: you imagine Can you imagine no, I can't. It, The I, meltdown I absolutely
1: cannot That's the reason why You know Rugby league now Is not as good as it was You know Back
0: you know, 30 years ago Imagine that Cameron Smith Driving a Fiat around or, <laughs> And he's had a demolition Derby With uh, Aaron Woods <laughs> Outside the dra- okay. Dragonara Hotel Here's
1: the Twitter question For next week then uh, in a demolition derby involving the current Kangaroo squad, who is most likely to win? <laughs> there you go. That depends on
0: car. All depend on the car. What's a British car that was big? No, of, I, you know. Uh, ca- what's the whole marina of British Just Neutralize
1: cars? the difference between cars right now, and just say okay, assume it's three same same three cars. Which of the yeah? Who are the current? You know.
0: Yeah, we've got to I already have an answer. We're anyhow, gonna, yeah,
1: I think we've got to. Vet, yeah, yeah, we're yeah, going to
0: re, we're revive this and put it on our website. <laughs> this story. This is the biggest story in, in the National Rugby League, and it's been. I'm forgotten. sorry, this
1: didn't make it into the program. Yeah. This never would have made it into the program
0: <laughs> anyway. My snarky uh, little uh, articles didn't make it in, so this wouldn't have. Um, Yeah, that's that's great quarter of chicken and chips. We'll we'll follow that one up. Matthew Edwards says, (laughs) uh, uh, Mal's try after Ricky Stewart's break. It still gives me goosebumps. That's right. WA Tips, uh, trying to work out who the kangaroo tour thief was. And we're not going there because um, (laughs) he's very cheeky. I'll explain that after the podcast, what that means. Um, Nordberg, Clippy Lions try, second test, 1990. Mm. Gra- uh, great, Good great memory. Uh, Mike Eden, our uh, uh, the the legend who follows his show. Um, Langlands' no try in France from a Dennis Ward kick, and then and then he says, "Is that the
1: seventy two final?" Um, he's referring to it must be because yeah. he says,
0: "I am very old." In mm. you know, in a follow up tweet,
1: <laughs> that was an incredible try. I've actually, yeah. you know, um,
0: Langlands no try and freeze. In co- yeah, my, yeah, that's a, that's the one that we will watching. Yeah, as
1: incomplete as my my rugby league education is, I've seen that one, and you know, to think about that, yeah, that was a game that ended in a tie, and Australia lost on countback. That's and right. That, that, that was that was ruled as a no try, and that is a you know, that's one of those things where you say to yourself, you know. Let, let, let's be honest right you know the players do more spectacular things now than say maybe guys 40 years ago did. it's yep. just you know, you know they're bigger they're faster you know you, you see kind of things like you know kind of the way they kind of um even as something like kind of grounding the ball or you know kind of yeah, uh, uh, yeah finishing or uh, plucking the ball out of the air it's more spectacular now than it used to be that's, that's 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 a fact that is one of those things that was as spectacular as anything you'd see today yeah it was amazing yeah. it was an amazing kind of yeah, effort Oh. And I have a feeling that the reason the reason it was ruled a no try was it was such an amazing effort that the referee believed it couldn't have been it couldn't have been legal.
0: Well, was it a catch and, and, and score? He was or ruled what? offside. I believe. Oh, okay. Right. He was
1: ruled like where he, he came in from the clouds, yeah, to, to, to take this kick and then score. And um, if I believe this, but we're, if we're talking about the same thing here, yeah. But yeah, he. Um, yeah, and because he kind of seemed to come from nowhere, I think the referee thought no, it couldn't have been on <laughs> oh, Right, there we go. That was the difference in the match. Was that the World Cup final? That was the World Cup
0: final? Yeah, yeah final, that's yeah. right. In France, that's
1: right. Or are this? Yeah. A, no, we must be talking about the wrong thing. This Ooh. is the Kangaroo Tour.
0: Langlands no try in France. Dennis Ward kick. I am very old, so he could have been How talking about be a Kangaroo Tour a game. The Kangaroo Tour again. Yeah, that, they used to play. Oh, tests, course, yeah. Three tests in France oh, after that. I just went through this whole thing. <laughs> <laughs> it might be. Yeah, I, I might be mixing them up. That's happened before. Uh, and finally, Simon Murray. Beating Australia at Wembley in 1990, and being hammered at Ellen Road in 1986 by the best team I've ever seen, uh, including uh, Lewis Sterling, Kenny Cleal, etc. That's some. Um, you hear a lot of that. Yeah, 1986 and 1990. That that was the Halcyon sort of period, wasn't it? That was. It seemed to be when the international game was at its absolute peak. You basically had the this globetrotter team of australian players running around well, for it's like for, a, for I'm, fond,
1: I'm fond of saying to you there was a um they interviewed kind of a i believe it was alan tate because i believe it, i remember it was a scottish jewel code oh yeah, interna- yeah, dual code yeah, international to, yeah. and yeah i think it was kind of it was the context was a union story and they're asking him who was the best football side you ever played and they expected him to say you know some i don't know some union outfit or, yeah all blacks whatever and yeah, he basically said, you know, yeah, it was, it was, it was, you know, kind of Meninga, you know, kind of Langer, Lewis, you know, you know, this this group of yeah, kangaroos. This was the, you know, they were the best footballers I'd ever played against. So you know, very, well, yeah. very interesting. But um, that said, you know, they were they were professionals at the time, and the union guys were, I don't know, kind of accountants with side jobs. So you know. Yeah. <laughs> Financial analysts who played a bit of football. <laughs>
0: <laughs> no, nah, didn't that, that didn't matter, mate. That had nothing to do with it. No, no. Nah. Um, all right. Anything and obviously, you wanna...
1: the, and obviously, the leagueies were you know, had enough spare time that they could just play demolition derby <laughs> oh, between their football up. games.
0: <laughs> <laughs> uh got to follow that up. That's great. Um, all right. Well, uh, that's my main takeaway from this point: <laughs> <laughs> demolition derbies. Yes. All right, anything else mate? Or should we uh leave these people alone?
1: Well, you know, I'm just going to keep on going on about demolition derby <laughs> so no, we'll we'll cut it short there and to say that yeah, we're we should be back on uh on regular schedule with these yeah. uh, with these podcasts. I mean, I think we'll keep yeah. on going through the through the World Cup and um yeah, hopefully uh yeah, it uh, we continue bringing you kind of yeah, great <laughs> great deep deep stories on the rugby league past. <laughs>
0: Alrighty, so all right. We'll be back next week to have a look at the opening week of the World Cup. Thanks very much. <laughs>